tonight, Wednesday night. Amen. Let's stand together and sing praises to Him. There's less week left than there was this morning, right? That's something we can be excited about at least tonight, right? Also, the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. Let's give Him a welcome praise tonight.
worthy tonight. Amen. Sing that to him again. Say, I will give you all my
give the Lord some of your worship tonight. Just call out on the name of the Lord tonight. Come on, let's sing, surround me, O oh Lord. worship the Lord like we're doing here tonight. It just oh, it just opens up the windows of heaven. And He's ready to pour down upon each of us what we have need of. I'm reminded of a scripture I just read today where blind Bartimaeus was sitting there and he heard that Jesus was coming. He began to cry out to Jesus. And they tried to quiet him down, you know, saying, you'll be quiet. But Pastor Jeff, he had a need. He called out, and Jesus heard him, and he said, bring him to me. And in the presence of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus said, what can I do for you today? Amen? And tonight, Jesus, in his presence, I believe he might not be here physically, but he is asking us tonight. What do you need from me? What can I do for you tonight? And I believe if we just lift our hands to heaven, we don't have to say a word. We don't have to acknowledge that we have this need or that need, but he will hear and answer our prayers. Amen. And that's what we want to continue to do tonight as we worship him and praise him. Remember Helen Banks, mother of Wayne Banks. She's in Piedmont Fayette Hospital. They believe she's had some strokes, some many strokes. Uh, Maydine Morrison is going in tomorrow for cancer surgery. Carl Porter, I talked to him on this afternoon, and he is doing much better than he was. Continue to pray for him. Uh, Pastor David and Jax, they both have the flu. Remember Pastor David and his son. Austin Hammond, continue to remember this man. And, And Jeanette, when we pray for the individual that's sick, in this case Austin Hammond and Carl Porter, Let's remember the spouse, Diane Porter, Jeanette Hammond, and whoever else I call out tonight because they are going through this with their, with their partner, with their loved one. So remember the entire family. Also remember Doug Webb and Virginia Horton, Robert and Joshua Western, and Helen Hall was admitted to the hospital today. So remember these needs. And if you have a need, lift your hand just to signify that you have a need. God's going to bless that need. Amen. 
So let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, we come before the throne. Lord, we just open up our hearts and our minds tonight, and we just feed upon the praise and the worship that we've already been in. And, Father, as we bring these names and these situations to the throne tonight, we ask, Lord, that you would just bless. Lord, that you would begin to work miracle after miracle in the lives of these people, Father. Touch them and bless them and encourage them, Lord. Strengthen their bodies in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I pray for everyone here tonight that has raised their hand signifying, Lord, that they have a need tonight. They may be praying for themselves. They may be praying for someone else in their family or a friend. Lord, we ask that you just reach beyond and just touch and bless and heal. God, I pray for jobs tonight. Lord, once again, we ask that you just bless your children. Lord, that you would care for them and supply that job, that, that financial blessing that they may need tonight. God, we just give you the glory for all these wonderful things that you've already begun a work and begin to do in their lives. So bless tonight. Bless the marriages. Bless each of us here tonight. Father, as you look down from heaven and you see the needs in our own life, Father, whether it's spiritual or physical or financial, God, we ask that you'll bless as well. God, that you will speak into our lives a refreshing, a newness, a hunger, a desire, Lord, to draw closer to you. And, Lord, we give you the glory for it. And, Father, we pray tonight for Pastor Jeff as he in just a moment or so will bring the word of God. Lord, we pray an anointing upon his life that you would touch his mind. Lord, that you would give him the knowledge and the wisdom of your word. Lord, that he will break the bread and bring it to us in a fashion that we need to hear it tonight. Lord, and we thank you for this. And we give you the glory for all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I got an announcement here. What's happening Saturday? Women's Conference. Amen. Sister Valerie did a wonderful job on Sunday announcing this. But we want you to come to this. This is a free event. And there is a nursery provided for children up to the age of eight. And the only reason they need you to sign up to let them know that you're coming because there is food involved. And when you have food involved, you want to make sure that you have enough for everybody. So if you're interested in coming, it starts at 9 a.m. and goes to 1 o'clock. Come and be blessed. Uh, this is the third annual uh, event of this. And, and Dr. Valerie Matura will be one of the speakers there, along with Sheila Harper Richard from J93 Radio. And so remember this, ladies. Are you looking forward to coming? Say amen. 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 You looking forward to being blessed? Say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Greet one another and welcome someone tonight to the service. Praise God. tired tonight. <laughs> uh, seemed to be a little bit quiet tonight, but that's going to change here in just a moment when the word be, uh, begins to be preached to us. Tonight we want to take the evening's offering if the ushers would come. 
Remember, we give unto the Lord as he has given unto us. And I tell you, you cannot outgive God. You cannot ever outgive God. And sometimes we will have a piece of money in our pocket and we want to hold on to it because we think we might need it. Why don't you try God and see what good things he'll do for you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed tonight. We thank you, Lord, once again for this opportunity to be in your presence. We ask that you'll bless everyone here tonight, that, Lord, you'll take their money that they're giving for the glory of God and bless it and use it for thy kingdom. And, Father, if there is one here tonight that does not have a piece of offering to give, Lord, but their heart is there and they're saying, I wish I had something. God, you're going to even bless that because their heart is in the right place. So we thank you, Lord, for those that have to give and, Lord, those that may not have to give, that you would richly bless them. In thy holy name we pray. Amen. Some of you might have stood in the presence and in the company of a lot of mighty men or a lot of mighty women. But tonight you are standing in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. In the presence of the one that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Doesn't matter what kind of position that person might hold. One day we'll all bow before the King. And I'm grateful that we're in his presence tonight. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Pastor Zach and praise team. Tonight, we're continuing our series on spiritual discipline. Each week during this series, I'm going to take a little bit of time to look at spiritual discipline itself, the meaning, the need, the importance it plays in our Christian walk. And then I'm going to look at one of the disciplines itself, 
But before we go any further tonight, as always, go to the word or the Lord in prayer. Ask for his anointing, his blessing upon me and upon you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we are in the presence of Jehovah tonight. We're in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is still to come. We thank you that you have provided us a word for this evening. But Father, we need the anointing as well. I need, Father God, your wisdom, your strength, the anointing of your Holy Spirit to bring forth this word with clarity, with strength, Father God, with truth. I pray for the anointing to be upon me so that my flesh wouldn't be seen or try to receive any glory tonight, but that you would receive it all. I pray tonight, Father God, for your people, that they would have ears to hear and hearts to listen, Father God, against every hindering and distracting spirit, so that not one word, Father, would be snatched away from us, because every word is filled with life. We ask that each word would find a place in the soil of our soul, that we might be changed, bear fruit and fruit that would last. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. I've been building this series... On the word of Paul, it's actually the word of God through Paul. How many of you know that every word is the word of God, but he uses individuals to speak it. But we've been building our series on the words of Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, when he said to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. The reality is spiritual discipline has a lot of different purposes, has a lot of different benefits that we can all benefit from. Uh, We'll discover those as we go along in this series, but in this particular passage, Paul emphasizes the ultimate purpose of spiritual discipline in our lives, and that is godliness. I know we've looked at it over the last couple weeks, but the main purpose of spiritual discipline is to transform our lives into the image and the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. Last week, as I shared... The reality is when we lose sight of this purpose, when we lose sight of the goal or we lose uh, even uh, sight of the direction, when we practice these disciplines that we're going to look at without direction, like the young pianist, if you were here that I spoke of last week, then all of this spiritual discipline becomes nothing more than drudgery. It becomes nothing more than a bore when we lose sight of the purpose Of all of these spiritual disciplines that we're going to look at, they begin to hold little importance in our life. They begin to hold little value. And then the one practicing them uh, tends to shove them aside and they begin to overlook them and they begin to uh, hold less and less value in our lives. But the reality is when we understand what we can become through these spiritual disciplines, when we understand what they can make us into or make out of us, no matter who we are, no matter how old we are, how young we are, how rich we are, poor we are, when we understand the purpose of spiritual discipline, then those disciplines take on a whole new light and life in our own personal life. When we understand that the Word of God and prayer and worship and all the other disciplines that we're going to look at have the power to transform our lives and make us godly church, then practicing those disciplines take on a whole new light. Paul said the athlete competes for a perishable prize. 
He said the athlete trains and practices and devotes themselves and discipline themselves for a prize that will one day pass away, for a crown that will one day fade, for a trophy that will one day turn to rust and, and be of no value. This is what Paul was saying, but he said to the church, he says to you and I, that I run. He said, I compete, I train, I practice, I devote myself and discipline myself spiritually for a prize that will never fade, for a crown that will never fade, for a trophy that will never rust. This is what he was saying, that I discipline myself daily. He actually said, I I consecrate myself daily. I sanctify myself daily for a prize that will never fade. Paul understood what awaited him at the end of the road of discipline. He understood what awaited him at the end of the road of devotion. And we need to understand the same thing. He understood, Paul understood, as difficult as spiritual discipline might be, church. And when you read the story of his life, you understand that we really have never experienced uh, the difficulty of devotion like he did. You know that he, one time when he was talking to a group of individuals, lifted up his own shirt and he bore the marks of what spiritual discipline and devotion was all about. He talked about being whipped so many times and stoned so many times and and shipwrecked so many times and he bore the scars of devotion. I don't know how many of us actually have scars of devotion upon our lives or upon our lives or even upon our bodies like Paul said, but he said... I run, I discipline myself for a crown, a trophy that will not fade. What I want you to understand, I want to recap on real quick, is that he understood what he would become in the process. And his sole goal in life, church, was to become like Jesus Christ. It's why Paul said, I have determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Everything that Paul went through, everything that Paul knew, there was only one thing that was important to him, and it was Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. Nothing else meant anything to him. He, he, he came to the point in his spiritual disciplines that there was only one thing that matters, and it was Jesus Christ, and how he could be a reflection of him, how he could benefit him, how he could bring a, a good report to, to the work and to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He understood that spiritual discipline would enable him to do that. He was teaching Timothy the same thing, and he's trying to teach us the same thing as well. Like I shared last week, most people don't pray, they don't read, they don't worship, they don't fast, and they don't come to church faithfully simply because they don't understand what the value, uh, what value those disciplines hold. They don't understand that they have the power to transform their life, to turn them into the likeness of Jesus Christ, to form the character of Jesus Christ in their life. They fail to see what these disciplines can do in their life or what the lack of them can do as well. You see, we need to understand just as much, not, not only what do these disciplines do in our life when we practice them, but we also have to understand what the lack of these disciplines will develop in our life as well. We're going to look at that this evening. Spiritual discipline has the power to transform our lives. These are the tools and the practices. When we talk about prayer, when we talk about 
reading the Word of God, when we talk about worship and coming to church and tithing, giving, service, sacrifice, when we talk about all these spiritual disciplines, these are the tools and the practices that God urges us, church, to use in order to change us from the inside out. Paul knew what these disciplines could do. These these disciplines, they mature us and they grow us and they transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is Paul could have used all sorts of legalistic rules. When he when he wrote the this letter to Timothy and he wrote the letter to to anyone else that would read it. He, he could have easily formed and come up with this, this list of rules. He could have come up with a list of legalistic rules that, that they would have to implement in their life in order to become godly. But Paul understood that, you, that, that a list of rules don't make us godly. Because you can't, godliness doesn't come from the outside in. It comes and it is developed from the inside out. And so Paul simply said, Practice spiritual discipline because Paul understood that once you begin to implement these practices in your life, these these practices of devotion, these spiritual disciplines in your life, it's going to begin to do something on the inside of you. It's going to develop something that an outside source can't develop. I want you to understand that when you read the word of God, it does something inside. When you worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords like we did tonight, it begins to do something on the inside of your soul, when you get alone with God, when you, when you open up the prayer closet, when you bend a knee and get alone with God, it begins to do something on the inside of your life. And before you know it, everyone that looks at you sees Christ in your life. You see, I can tell you, don't go smoke and don't go drink and don't wear this and don't go here and don't go there. And it's good not to do these things if you want to maintain a good testimony. I can come up with a whole list of rules that says you can't go to this movie and you, you can't watch that movie and you can't do this movie. But even if you, you don't do all of those things and don't have spiritual discipline in your life, you still won't be godly. You still won't have the reflection of Jesus Christ. You see, so many people struggle in their life. Well, I, I, I won't do this and I won't do that. And they're so caught up with all of these outward things that they have to do or can't do. And they leave out their spiritual disciplines and they wonder why they're still struggling. They wonder why it's so difficult. You see, the reality is if we would just practice these spiritual disciplines in our life, it's very simple. The process of changing and being transformed. This does all the work. You see, when you don't, when you, when you don't use these things, you're the one doing all the work. You're the one struggling. You're the one, you're the one having to, to just struggle through life. But if you would just practice spiritual disciplines, those disciplines do all the work. The Word of God does all the work. Prayer does all the work. Worship does all the work. Obedience does all the work. Service and sacrifice ends up doing all of the work and we don't have to struggle. This is why we are to practice spiritual disciplines, put into practice spiritual disciplines so we can be like Jesus Christ. When you and I begin to practice the spiritual disciplines and the one we're going to look at tonight is practicing the intake of the word of God into our life. But we, we begin to practice these things. It's going to change the way you act. It's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you walk and change the way you dress. I won't have to tell you what not to wear. I won't have to tell you to pull up your drawers and wear clothes that are modest, that, that are glorifying to God. When you read 
read the Word of God, when you allow these spiritual disciplines into your life, I won't have to tell you how to live. You're just going to start living that way. Because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you. Because you're going to feel conviction. Because you're going to be motivated to be like Jesus Christ. Without these spiritual disciplines, we're going to look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, be a reflection of the world. We will not be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. And he goes on and says, by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God in your life. But I want to stop right there. Do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. Paul was saying, don't be like this world. Don't act like this world. Don't look like this world. Don't talk like this world. Don't cheat like this world. Don't fornicate like this world. Don't get drunk like this world. Don't go gossip like this world. Don't steal like this world. Don't envy. Don't be jealous. Don't be greedy. Don't be like this world, Paul said. Rather, I want you to be transformed. I want you to be rather changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And the reality is the only way you and I can do that is through Jesus Christ and through spiritual discipline in our life. The reality is without spiritual discipline in our life, we will be just like this world. We can confess Jesus Christ is Lord all day long. I can get up in the morning and say Jesus Christ is Lord. I can say Jesus Christ is Lord at lunchtime and bedtime. I can say Jesus Christ is Lord all that I want. But until I begin to practice habits of devotion toward the one I confess is Lord, until I begin to exercise spiritual discipline in my life, I won't, Jesus won't be Lord of my life. Confession is one thing. Doing it is another thing. And this is what you and I need to understand. Yeah, we have to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, but you need to understand that spiritual maturity takes more than confession. Spiritual, you can confess yourself mature all day long. But until you start reading the Bible, until you start chewing on some meat, until you're willing to lift up your hands and worship the Lord, until you're willing to forget about everyone that's beside you, until you're willing to get alone in a prayer closet, you can call yourself mature all you want, but you're still going to act like a baby. You're still going to talk like an infant. You're still going to speak words that make no spiritual sense to those that are around you. We have to discipline ourselves For the purpose of godliness, Paul said, we have to demonstrate devotion toward the one we confess, church, because without spiritual discipline, we can't be godly. The truth is, and and a lot of us may not like to hear this, if spiritual discipline leads to godliness, then the lack of spiritual discipline must lead to ungodliness. If if the habits of devotion lead us to Christ-likeness, then the lack of those habits, the lack of those devotions, they must lead us to unchristlikeness. If one leads us to Christ-likeness, then the other must lead us to worldliness. So the reality is, I'm telling you, if, if spiritual disciplines, church, lead us to godliness, when you and I leave them out of our life, it's going to lead to ungodliness. It's going to lead to, it's going to lead to, uh, lukewarmness. The truth is the lack of spiritual discipline leads to bad spiritual habits in our life, church. 
It leads to unrighteousness. It leads to fleshly living. It leads to compromise and complacency in our life. It leads to, uh, it leads to lukewarmness, like I said, and ungodliness in our life. Without spiritual discipline, we'll be a reflection of the world instead of a reflection of Jesus Christ. The individual without spiritual discipline is easy to spot, Paul said, because they are fleshly and because they are carnal. You see, Paul said in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, when he wrote to the Galatian church, he said, the acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are easy to spot. The, 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 the acts of the flesh are easy to recognize. You don't have to go hunting for them, even in the house of God. They're obvious, he said. And if you can't see them, you got to be blind. Because he said, they're obvious. You can spot them a million miles away. He's saying they're obvious. What he was saying, church, is the acts of those who are without spiritual discipline. I believe we can say this. The acts of those without spiritual discipline are obvious. You see, because without spiritual discipline, what are we? We're carnal. Without spiritual discipline, we operate in the flesh. Without spiritual discipline, we will walk according to the flesh instead of according to the spirit. And when we walk in carnality, when we walk in the flesh, when we walk according to our own desires, what becomes obvious in our life? This is what Paul said. Sexual immorality, impurity, perversion. Idolatry, where things of this world are more important than God. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, anger, selfish ambition when when it's all about me, myself and I. Dissensions instead of peace, factions instead of peace, envy instead of being glad that somebody has been blessed by the Lord, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, what Paul was saying was those without spiritual discipline are easy to recognize because they will they will act according to the flesh. They're easy to find. They may be sitting in the house of God on a Sunday morning. They might be sitting in the house. I'm not telling you saying it's you, but they might be sitting in the house of God on a Wednesday night. But you can tell the undisciplined soul by the way they act and by the way they talk and by the way they dress. You can tell an undisciplined soul by the words that come out of their mouth because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I promise you, you can tell when someone doesn't have the word of God in their mouth. When they don't have the word of God in their soul, you can tell the undisciplined by the words that come out of their mouth, by the way they act and by the way that they talk, by the way that they dress. You see, when an individual is disciplined in the disciplines of the Lord, they realize that they are a temple of the Most High God. They are a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and that everything they do in word and in deed, they should do so to glorify the Father. And when they don't have spiritual discipline in the life, they're easy to recognize. They're easy to spot. They're obvious, Paul said. You can tell by the way they pray and by the way they worship and by the way they give. Or you can tell by the way they don't pray at all or by the way they don't worship at all or by the way they don't give at all. You see, Paul was saying it's very obvious to spot and tell those that are undisciplined. And what we need to do is we need to examine and check our own life and say, is it that obvious that I don't have any spiritual discipline in my life? 
You see, I I don't mean to say this in a judgmental way, but as a pastor, when you're standing up here and the Holy Spirit is moving during praise and worship and you see people sitting around with their head down and their arms folded and you see the sourpuss look on their face, maybe they've gone through a bad week. Maybe something's going wrong, but maybe they have no spiritual discipline in their life either. Maybe, maybe they don't have the things in their life that are able to turn their situation around and put joy and thanksgiving into the soil of their soul. You see, the reality is no matter what our situation is like in life, if we still have the word of God, if we have still communicated with the king of kings, if we still get alone in a prayer closet, whoa, we still got something to rejoice about. We still got something to dance about. We still got something to clap about. You see, it's easy for pastors, and we don't want to be judgmental, but I tell you, when when the Holy Spirit is moving, and worship is as good as it can be, and people aren't responding, we have to ask ourselves sometimes, what's going on in their life? Have they been alone with God this week? Have they got themselves into a prayer closet? Have they worshipped at all? Have 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 they been in the Word of God at all? And that, that is a question we all have to ask ourselves individually. But Paul was saying that it's obvious. Those that do not have spiritual discipline in their lives is obvious. The other thing that I want you to see in Galatians 5 is that Paul issued a warning to those who fail to practice spiritual discipline. Paul said in this same passage of Scripture, he said, I warn you like I warned you before. I warn you as I did before, and I'll stop right there because I want you to realize that this wasn't the first time Paul brought a warning to this church. This wasn't the first time Paul recognized a lack of spiritual discipline. This wasn't the first time that Paul recognized a worldliness among the, in the house of God. This wasn't the first time that, that they were lacking in their habits of devotion. This wasn't the first time he found them cold and complacent and lukewarm. He said, I'm warning you like I warned you before. You see, there was another time when he had to write them because they were in the same spiritual place as they are now. Because they were lacking in spiritual discipline. So he had to address them a second time. Why did he address them a second time? He knew they weren't practicing spiritual discipline because the acts of their flesh were obvious. He would not have had to written this word to them if they were practicing spiritual discipline. If they had the word of God in their life, if they were reading it, hearing it and studying, if they were going to the temple like they were supposed to go to the temple, if they were confessing their sins, if they were worshiping, if all of that was going on in their life, he would not have to have written this letter. He would not have to have chastised them. If, if we don't want to be chastised, if we don't want to be rebuked, if we don't want to have God speak these kinds of words into our life, practice spiritual discipline. It'll keep us from being spanked sometimes. God, cha- Amen. God chastises those that he loves because he wants to get them back in line so they can receive blessing in their life. This is, what, this is exactly what Paul was doing to the Galatian church. He was trying to bring them back into a place of blessing. But he said, I warn you like I warned you before. If you're practicing the wrong habits, look what he said. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're practicing the wrong habits, if you've got the wrong disciplines in your life, you will not see the kingdom of God. I'm warning you, Paul said. 
You're not going to see the kingdom of God. And what you have to realize is he was speaking to the church here. He wasn't speaking to the world. He wrote this letter to the Galatians. The, the, the Galatian church he wrote this letter to. Because they were lacking spiritual discipline in your life. Now listen, I know that it's by grace that we are saved. It's not by works lest any man should boast. I know that we receive salvation through the sacrifice and through the blood of Jesus Christ. But the undeniable truth is, church, without spiritual discipline, without the habits of devotion in your life, you're going to drift away from God. Without spiritual discipline, you will grow cold. You will grow complacent. Your life will become filled with compromise without spiritual discipline in your life. Without spiritual discipline, you will be given to the lust of the eyes and to the lust of the flesh and to the pride of life. You will do the things that are displeasing to God and you will do the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Without the habits of devotion, you'll go get drunk. Without the habits of devotion, you will go look at pornography. Without the habits of devotion, the wrong words will come out of your mouth. You'll go to the wrong places. You'll hang with the wrong people and you will do the wrong things. Without those habits of devotion, without spiritual discipline in our life, we will walk away from God. This is why he was warning them, because they were in a backslidden state, because they were in a backslidden condition. And what we have to understand is the danger of not practicing spiritual discipline in our life. Listen, it's not good enough to come to church on Sunday and say, I did my thing. It's not good enough to come to church on Wednesday and say, that's all that I need. I'm telling you, it's not enough. It's not enough for the pastor to preach at you Sunday morning or me to preach at you Sunday or Wednesday night. It's not enough. You and I must have a daily intake of the word of God. We must have a daily time of prayer and meditation with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every single day, we must exercise habits of devotion or guess what? We will not end. We will no longer be devoted. And the last place we want to be is not devoted to the King of Kings or the Lord of Lords. Because when we find ourselves in that place, we risk being, we risk missing the kingdom of God. Just like the Galatian church. And that's why Paul had to write it. Listen, when you practice this, the, the disciplines of devotion. And I, I'm not going to mention them every time that I say it. But when you and I practice the disciplines of devotion, you're not going to backslide. When you practice the disciplines of devotion, church, you're not going to fall away from the faith. You're not going to grow cold. You're not going to become complacent. You're not going to be lukewarm. Your life will not be filled with, with, with compromise when you practice spiritual discipline in your life. It's when you say, it's when you begin to say, well, I read the word yesterday, so I don't need to read it today. Or I went to church yesterday and we really had church. So I don't need it today. And then Tuesday comes around and you're still you're still hoping Sunday was enough to get you through. And, well, I don't need to read today because I'll be in church tomorrow and I'll read the word again tomorrow. And, and I'm telling you, church, this is the way most people operate from Sunday to Wednesday to, to Wednesday to Sunday. And they don't do enough in between. And then they wonder why their whole life is falling apart. 
They wonder why their kids are hooked on drugs and why their, their daughters are sleeping around. They wonder why their bank account is empty. They wonder why they can't prosper in the workplace. They wonder why they're filled with sickness. They wonder why all hell is breaking loose in their life because they think it's enough on Sunday and it's enough on Wednesday when the devil lets all hell break loose on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I want you to understand that David took five smooth stones out of the brook because he knew that Goliath had four brothers. He knew that one stone wasn't enough. He knew that when he took care of Goliath, that the devil was going to show up tomorrow with another giant in his life. But he understood that I got myself another smooth stone. I'm going to be prepared for another battle because you're going to have more than one giant in your life. You're going to have more than one trial in your life. You're going to have more than one test in your life. You're have more than one tribulation in your life. You're going to have more than one storm in your life. And last week's, last year's word isn't enough, church. We need it each and every day. We must discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. I wonder how much of a testimony David would have had if he would have walked down to that brook and said, well, I think one stone's enough. Because when he would have faced those four other brothers that might have been meaner and bigger than even Goliath, he would have found himself dead on the battleground. He would not have been a man after God's own heart if he would have thought one stone was enough to get me through. Woo! We're living on yesteryear's word. We think one shout's enough. One hallelujah's enough. One dance is enough. One clap is enough, and it's not, church. We've got to discipline ourselves daily so that we can be a reflection of Jesus Christ, so that we can have victory in our life. Listen, when Paul said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, he wasn't referring to some half-hearted, half-baked, half-exercised discipline. He was referring to a discipline of devotion. He was referring to a discipline that will run to prayer before it runs to the pastor. He was, he was, he was referring to a discipline that will get on its knees before it gets on the phone. He was talking about a discipline that's, that's, that's able to dance in the, in the presence of their enemies. He's talking about a discipline that's willing to bend a knee when the whole world is falling around, apart around them. He's talking about a discipline that when it sits down at the dinner table, it says, you know what? I'm going to push this plate aside tonight because I got a son that needs to be saved. I got a daughter that needs to come home. I've got a sickness that needs to be healed. And I'm going to push away this plate and get alone with God. This is the kind of discipline that is lacking in the house of God today. And it's the kind of discipline Paul said, Timothy, you must have. You and I must have it as well. He was talking about a discipline that no matter how hard and much it hurts, he's talking about a discipline that is willing to buffet the body for the, for the, the betterment of the soul. You see, we don't like to buffet the body because it doesn't feel good. It hurts. It aches. Uh, it, it, it's not easy and it's not fun to fast. No, it's not. It, yeah, amen. If you fasted, you know. It's not an easy discipline. 
It's not easy to get up sometimes at two o'clock in the morning when the Holy Spirit nudges you and says, get on your knees and pray. It's not an easy discipline to to get up at four o'clock in the morning and open up the word of God when your body is tired and your body is weak. But you need a word and you need some bread and you need some life. It's not easy. But I want you to understand it wasn't easy for Jesus Christ to take that cross upon his shoulders. It wasn't easy for him to take whippings upon his back. It wasn't easy to get those nails driven through his hand or have a crown shoved upon his head. It wasn't easy. But he had spiritual discipline and he knew what what awaited him at the end of his road. And the Bible tells us that he endured even the cross so that when we start to grow weary, when we find ourselves in a place of difficulty, in a place of heartache, in a place of sadness and sorrow, we will not give up. Amen. That's why he did it. So that we won't give up. Discipline is not an easy thing. It's not easy. I don't know how many of you have been in in any kind of sports competition, but it's not easy to win the prize. It's not easy for for a spelling bee student to get the bee, whatever they call the champion of the year. It's not easy. There's discipline and devotion and hard work and study that's involved. And the same thing goes for us spiritually. We think we can be spiritual giants without all of this stuff in our life. The reality is, without it, all we are is spiritual little pipsqueaks. Can't even chase away a shadow. You see, listen to me, church. We are warriors. We are to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And an undisciplined soldier does the army no good. An undisciplined soldier doesn't intimidate a Goliath. Imagine, listen, David, when he walked out onto that battlefield, he didn't walk out with man's armor. He walked out under the anointing of a most high God. Uh, He might have been ruddy. He might have had some dirt on him from tending some sheep. But I want you to, when he walked out on that field, he walked out with discipline. He, He walked out knowing who his God was. He understood He had spiritual discipline in his life. It didn't just develop when he walked out that one day. He developed discipline tending to some sheep. He drove away bears and he drove away wolves, the Bible said. He was a disciplined young man. And when he walked out onto that field, when he walked out into the valley of Elah facing that ten-foot giant, guess who won? was the one that had spiritual discipline in his life. Don't think you're ever going to intimidate an enemy when you walk out there spiritually unkept. When you walk out onto the battlefield and your spiritual hair is all over the place. When when your pants aren't pulled up spiritually, I'm talking about. When you look like you're half asleep, like you just rolled up out of bed, like you're going to have any authority over the enemy. I want you to understand the devil knows the disciplined saint. The devil trembles, the Bible says, at the prayers, at the fervent prayers of a disciplined, righteous soul. Get some little spiritual pipsqueak trying to pray a prayer against an enemy. Now listen to me, I'm not saying you have to be a super giant to pray. I'm not saying that you can't be built up in the faith. It's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about an individual that's been in the house of God, called themselves a Christian for 10 years, but they have no spiritual discipline in their life, and they think they're going to win a battle. They think they're going to overcome the enemy. 
It will not happen. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. No one comes to spiritual maturity without spiritual discipline in their life. And spiritual discipline in the last few minutes begins with the word of God. Above and beyond every other spiritual discipline is the word of God. Above every other spiritual discipline is the reading of God's word, the hearing of God's word, and the studying of God's word. Every spiritual discipline that we will look at is built and hinges upon the word of God. This is the very first discipline that we have to look at, church. It is the foundation of our faith, and without it, our faith will fail. Without this in our life, you and I will fall. We will be overcome by every temptation. We will be overcome by every giant. We will become overcome by every storm that comes into our life. This is the anchor that holds in the midst of a storm. I know Jesus is the anchor, but Jesus is the Word. Amen? So you and I need to understand, without this Word, you're going to be tossed around by every wind of doctrine that comes your way. If you don't have the word of God in your life, you're going to listen to every bogus, foolish, silly little lie that comes into your life. You're going to be led astray by somebody that knocks on your door and says, do you know Jesus? I'd like to tell you about him. And they're going to tell you a lie. And you're not even going to know it because you don't have the word of God in your life. And you're going to buy into every wind of doctrine if you don't have the Word of God in your life. Without the Word of God, a storm of sickness comes into your life. A storm of financial lack comes into your life. But if you have the Word of God, it's the anchor that holds into the sea. And no matter what comes your way, you won't be blown away. But without it, guess what? You'll be shipwrecked. You'll be tossed. You'll be turned. You'll be flipped upside down and you won't know which way is up. I've been there, church. Thinking, yeah, amen. Y'all, some of you have been there. You find yourself in the middle of some tidal wave and you can't figure out which way is up and which way is down. I don't know how many of you have been caught in a riptide, but one time I was out on, on a beach in Mexico and some goofy little riptide caught me and it sucked me under and flipped me all around. I panicked. I had no idea which way was up or which way was out. And spiritual discipline is the same exact way. The devil will flip you upside down, turn you round about backwards. But unless you got spiritual discipline in your life, you'll drown in those storms. Thank God I'm here today. I got pulled out of the riptide. But this is exactly what Paul was saying. Above every other discipline is the word of God. If we are to know God. If we are to understand God, if we are to be like God, if we are to be godly, it starts right here, church. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Before time began was the Word. Before the world was created was the Word. Before there was anything else, there was the Word of God, the Bible tells us. And this Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us in, in verse 14. And so what you and I need to understand, church, is that the entire universe was built upon the word of God. The entire universe, not just this little earth we live on. Every single planet in the solar system, every single star, the moon, every galaxy that's far, far away that we can't even see with the natural eye. The entire universe, church, was built upon the word of God. Time began to tick because of the word of God. All creation was built and it is held together today by the word of God. All you got to do is read Genesis and see God spoke and this happened and God spoke and that happened. The entire universe was built upon the word of God. And yet we, we as believers act like we can build a successful Christian life 
without the word of God. Sometimes we act like we can build a successful marriage without the word of God at the center of it. Sometimes we think we can raise a godly family somehow miraculously without ever reading the word of God to our kids, without ever having a Bible study, without ever having devotions, without ever making the word of God the central theme or the foundation of our household. And then again, we wonder why everything falls apart. We wonder why our kids have no direction. We wonder why our kids are lost in this world. Sadly enough, it's because we never broke the bread of life, even in our own household. It's because we never opened up the word of God that can give them direction and give them guidance. It's because we never opened up the the word of God, which is called the mirror of God's word that allows us to see who we are and who we should be. I think we failed miserably sometimes when it comes to the spiritual discipline of hearing and reading and studying the Word of God, church. Sometimes we think we can build a successful business without ever going to the Word of God. We build it in our own strength, build it in our own wisdom, but this is the wisdom of God. This is the direction of God. This is, this is the, the revelation of God. You and I can't build anything successfully We can't have a successful future without the word of God at the foundation. Amen. Of it all. Sometimes we think we can, but the reality is we can't. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will stand forever, the Bible says. This is the power of God unto salvation. The word of God has the power to save the soul, church. I hope you realize that we can get saved without a lot of the the niceties that church has today. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the, the padded pews and the nice carpet. There's no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with keyboards and orchestras and all those other things. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with PowerPoint and all these lights that, that, that enable us to have a nice setting and a comfortable setting in the house of God. But I want you to understand that souls can get saved without any of those. I want you to understand that that a PowerPoint isn't going to save a soul. I want you to understand that a piano and a keyboard and a a drum and, and an orchestra and a choir can't save a soul. I want you to understand that these lights have nothing to do with salvation. I want you to understand that a soul can get saved, whether it's sitting on a padded pew or whether it's sitting on a cinder block out in the woods. I want you to understand that a soul can get saved without all the niceties that we have. We don't need air conditioning to get saved, but I thank God we have it. We don't need all of this this fancy stuff in order to get saved but i thank god we have it there's things that we don't need but there's one thing we need in order to find god there's one thing we need in order to discover god there's one thing we need in order to get saved and it is the word of god it is the power of god unto salvation and without the word of god you're lost without the word of god we cannot find god know god or understand understand God. And yet we never share it with our unsaved friends. We never break bread with those that are hungry. You understand what I'm saying. Use the word never. I'm not saying that you all don't do this, but I'm saying as the church as a whole, we think we think I think we get so caught up sometimes in the theatrics of church anymore we think we got to have this and we got to have that. And we got to have that. And I think in the process, sometimes we have forgotten all about the word of God. 
We, we, we have turned the word of God in the pulpit into motivational speeches, into fancified stories, and we leave the word of God out. But I want you to understand this is the power of God unto salvation, and we cannot be saved without it. Matthew 4, 4, as I begin to bring this to a close, you can go ahead and put on the music. The Bible says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And I want you to know that the word live here means sustained, nourished, strengthened, and given life. And I say all that so you understand exactly what Jesus is saying. He is saying that you and I cannot be sustained. You and I cannot be nourished. You and I cannot be strengthened in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our trial, our tribulation, our sickness. You and I cannot uh, be, find life outside of the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want you to know that we are strengthened by the word of God. We are nourished by the word of God. We are guided by the word of God and we find life in the word of God. And without it, you have to ask yourself, can I be nourished? Can I be strengthened? Can I, can I be everything that God wants me to be without the word of God? And the answer is absolutely no. I hope you understand that these words are life, church. Jesus himself said, the words that I have spoken to you are life. In John 6, 63, he said, the words I have spoken to you are life. He was saying that the words I have spoken to you are sustenance. The words that I have spoken to you are nourishment. The words that I have spoken to you are the strength and the life that you need. And without the word of God, we cannot have any of those things, church. These words are not dead. As I bring this to a close. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that they are living and active and more powerful than any two-edged sword. They're living. They're active. They're more powerful than any two-edged sword. And listen to me. This is what I want you to get. When you have the Word of God in your life, guess what that makes you? It makes you living. It makes you active. It makes you more powerful than any two-edged sword. The Word of God enables you to win victories that you could not win without the Word of God. What, if the Word of God is living and active and more powerful than a two-edged sword, and if I take that living Word, an active Word, and that powerful Word, and I put it in the soil of my soul, guess what it does to my life? It makes my life alive. It makes me active for the kingdom of God, and it makes me powerful for the kingdom of God as well. But without these spiritual disciplines, what does it make me? It makes me dead. It makes me inactive spiritually. And it makes me with no power. So my question to you tonight, church, is, and I'm going to talk more about the Word of God in the couple weeks to come because there's just so much. But what you need to understand is that if you want a living faith, if you want an active faith, if you want a powerful faith, It all starts right here. It all starts with the Word of God. It all starts with hearing the Word of God on a Sunday morning and on a Wednesday night. Hearing the Word of God when you're driving down the road and you're listening to a radio station. Hearing the Word of God. Letting it find a place in the soil of your soul. You see, you need to understand when you go through life, you're going to have a million different voices and a million different words speak into your life. A thousand different lies trying to distract you, disrupt you, and lead you in a particular direction. But when you are disciplined in hearing the Word of God, 
You're going to make the right choices. You're going to make the right decisions. You're going to go down the right path. This is what you and I need to understand. If we want a living faith, if we want an active faith, if we want a powerful faith, then it all begins with the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And the reality is, if Jesus was the word made flesh, then what that verse also means is that no one comes to the Father except through the word of God. Except through the word of God. There's no other word, no other doctrine that can lead anyone to life can lead anyone to eternal life, can lead anyone to the Lord except through the Word of God. And what you and I need to understand is that every other doctrine out there is a lie. I know a lot of people don't like to hear it. You might know some friends. You might have some individuals that are Jehovah's Witness or Mormons. You might have some individuals that might be Muslims. You, you might know some people that are of a different faith. I'm not talking of a different denomination, but of a different faith. And somehow in love, you need to let them understand that all of those doctrines are a lie. And this is the only way to the father. And the only way that you can teach them that and tell them that is if you know it yourself. The only way that you can lead anyone to Jesus Christ is if you know the word of God. Your own words aren't going to get them to heaven. Your own words aren't going to show them the way. Your own words aren't going to give them life. You and I must know the word of God. Otherwise, guess what? You and I will be guilty of speaking a false doctrine into someone else's life. If you don't know the word of God, you better be careful what you say to other people because you actually could be promoting a false doctrine in their life. Now, I know you might have some zeal. You might be excited about the Lord and all you're telling people is about what God has done in your life. Absolutely great. Praise the Lord. Keep doing it. But if you're going to try to teach some doctrine without knowing doctrine, you better be real careful. If you're here tonight, simply, and you say, God, I want an active faith, I want a living faith, I want a powerful faith, then I want you to stand to your feet, and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit just do in us the work that needs to be done. And then next week, we're going to pick up on the importance of God's Word and the discipline of God's Word. If it's the foundation of our faith, it's going to take more than 10 minutes for me to explain it to you why it's so important, and how it will change our entire life and transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Father God, for your Holy Spirit and your presence in this house tonight. I thank you, Father God, that you have given us examples in your word of God, that you have shown us how we can be godly. You've shown us, Father God, how we can be spiritually mature and how we can go from glory to glory, how we can come from spiritual infants to spiritual young adults to spiritual men and women of God. And I thank you, Father God, that we know that we can achieve these things through spiritual discipline. So I pray tonight, God, that you would help us always to exercise the habits of devotion on a regular daily basis. God, that we would understand the importance. This is what we're talking about tonight, the importance of the word of God. I pray that it would never find a place under our table or stay in the back seat, Father God, of our car or find its way to a coffee table or up on a shelf somewhere where we never break it, never read it, never study it. I'm praying, God, that you would help us to become disciplined in the area of hearing the word of God and reading the word of God and studying the word of God because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the cornerstone of our faith. Let us not think, God, that we can, we can, that Sunday's enough and Wednesday's enough. 
We, like David, need that stone every single day. We need the bread of life every single day. So I'm praying that we would break it, Father God, that we would study it, that we would devour it and eat it, that we would cherish it, Father God, and that we would respect it, Father God. I pray that you would touch our lives, that we would become a reflection of your son, Jesus Christ, and that you would build us up in the most high faith and teach us to exercise the spiritual disciplines that we must. We praise you for your word this evening. We ask that you would guide us on our way home, that you would encamp about us, Father God, that you would give us opportunities to be light and salt to this lost and dying world, that we might have an impact in the kingdom of God. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. Apologize if I had to cut that off right in the middle. We'll pick up next week. If you have a special need, as always, be happy to tarry, pray with you, and just agree with you in prayer. Otherwise, be blessed. The pastor looks forward to seeing you. And come expecting...